This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. For the first time since his sad passing, we're back with the latest instalment of Julio's treble winners here on the Blood Red channel. I'm Guy Clark, Dan Kay as ever alongside as we look back on Liverpool's memorable 2000-2001 treble winning season. This month taking in January 2001 as the Reds booked their place in the first of three cup finals of the campaign. It was a month two in which the FA Cup journey began and a Champions League winning maestro arrived from Barcelona. Dan though, we must, as I say, talk about Gerard Houllier, the man who made it all possible and of course, it's the first time we've done one of these pods since his very sad passing. Yeah, very much so, Guy. It was a real, <clears throat> it was it was a shock and a really sad moment. What just over a month ago, um, halfway through December, when the news broke of Gerard's uh, sudden passing, and uh, you know, I think the outpouring of emotion that we saw, you know, obviously within the Liverpool football community and the wider football family as well, I think said a lot about you know the very high regards in which he was held in, you know, not, not just by Liverpool supporters, but by, but by, but by, but by the game in general. Um, I was for the, the first match after he passed uh, was when Liverpool were played at home to Tottenham, which seems a million years ago now, doesn't it? But that was during that little period when fans were allowed back into grounds. And I was actually lucky enough to get a ticket in the ballot for that Tottenham match. <coughs> and it's, um, it was a very, you know, it, it's, it's been a, an emotional season for, or emotional year, really, for an awful lot of reasons. But it, there did feel, a, you know, an extra poignancy in in, in Gerard passing, you know, during the twentieth anniversary of, you know, his his standout season as Liverpool manager, and, um, you know, it was it was a really special moment to be in the ground. You know, obviously, just being back in the ground was an incredible thing. But on that particular night, you know, there was a there was a minute's applause, um, for Gerard before the match. His, his there was a picture of him on the on the front of the matchday program, and Liverpool, you know, produced a, a tremendous performance that night. You know, I would like to think in in his honour, uh, and really did him proud. Um, we won't we won't mention too much what's happened since then, um, but uh, you know, football and life is full of ups and downs, and you know this 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 treble season proved that, and in many ways this this particular month proved that because as we said a few times during this during this series of, of podcasts. It was a real roller coaster seasons with ups, downs, good moments, bad moments. And one thing I think Gerard was really good at doing, and one thing I think that Jurgen Klopp's been very good at doing during his time at Liverpool, and you know, I'm sure we'll see we'll see this as as the current season goes on as well, is keeping things in perspective, understanding the nature of the game, that you're not things aren't gonna go your way sometimes, and that's when you've got to keep your nerve, keep your faith keep doing the things that you know are right and that you believe in and you'll get your just rewards in the end. That's what happened for Liverpool and, and Gerard Houlet during this memorable season 20 years ago. And and I'm sure and hope that that's what will happen to the Reds this year as well during this obviously currently difficult period that, that they're going through. Yeah, I saw obviously on, on social media with all the tributes that Liverpool fans were paying after his passing, just how many referenced this season. And for someone like myself in my late 20s, it was a season in which really sort of captured the imagination for even getting into football. It's well documented by Ian Doyle all the time. I'm not actually a Liverpool fan, yet this was a season which really captured my imagination and the sort of exhilarating manner in which Liverpool went on these cup runs. Didn't matter what tournament it was, cup competitions, Liverpool were, were cup kings. 
I think if you're a football supporter and you love the game, obviously we love being partisan, we love getting behind our teams, we love a little bit of rivalry and giving a bit of stick out to, to our mates and the teams we don't like. But if you're a football fan, you can appreciate the joy of the game and when a team gets on a run and starts breaking glass ceilings and doing things that weren't expected of them. And I think, you know, you may not have been as aware of obviously being a younger lad and obviously living down south at the time as well. But I I got the feeling in a wider sense during this treble season, you know, we'd had what by this stage, seven or eight years of Manchester United dominance and Liverpool having fallen off the perch. And I think there was a, there was an interest in, in, in in the general through those who follow the English game that you want to see, you don't want to see any one team dominate, but you want to see compet- You want to see competition. You want to see the big names challenging each other. You know, it's only a week ago, Liverpool and Manchester United were playing each other in the league, weren't they? Going into it as one and two, and a lot of people were making the point that well, for all they are the, the country's two most successful clubs, they haven't been involved in too many title races together. And I think there was very much a sense during this ceiling during this season that even though United went on to win the league comfortably in the end, that Liverpool were on the way back. Obviously, we ended. We beat United home and away in the league, and I think, in a general sense, it added to that sense of of excitement. Because I think I'm right in saying United's United's championship win in this 2000 2001 season was their third on the bounce, and nobody wants to see total domination. Certainly, if it's if it's if it's not your team anyway. So I so think that's possibly why United as well. Well, <laughs> goes without goes without saying in these neck of the woods, doesn't it? But um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people could sense this. This was a team. This was a club having a bit of a you know a, a renaissance, getting back on their feet, and and I think that that's why it captured a lot of the people's a lot of people's imagination. And of course, it was it was unprecedented. It was historic. No English team has ever done a treble of cup triumphs before. Obviously, at this stage of the season, you know, effectively the halfway point in January. It was still only really a pipe dream, but obviously in this month, as we'll get onto, this was the moment when Liverpool reached their first cup final in the League Cup, and you know as we got to the end of the month, you know the the, the FA Cup game at Leeds was one of the the real standout moments of the season, as we'll get onto, and I think that really as well lit the kind of flame under it that things were coming to the boil nicely, and and they, they very much did as as winter turned to spring. Yeah, certainly. Let's jump in the time machine, then head back to January 2001. Better than January 2021 at the moment with the Reds yet to muster a league win in the new calendar year, in the new decade. But back in 2001, Dan, it was very different as the... uh, as December turned to January and we went into 2001, wins against Manchester United and Arsenal had placed Liverpool very well indeed. And the year started with a win over Southampton. It did, and it was a, it was an important win because, as you say, they had the two great wins over United and Arsenal just before Christmas, and then a disappointing defeat at Middlesbrough on Boxing Day, <clears throat> and then they didn't really get the, they didn't get the chance to bounce back from that because the the final game of two thousand away to Bradford City was postponed because of a frozen pitch, so they got, they at least got a bit of extra rest during the hectic Christmas program, but I, I I was at the Southampton game on New Year's Day like everybody else, nursing a bit of a sore head. I remember it was quite a, a nice bright sunny day. And it was a, it was the kind of really gritty, hard-fought win that, in many ways, summed up the season. Gerrard scored one of his one of his best goals, I think, certainly of the early part of his career. Uh, stunning strike from thirty yards at the cop end, absolutely flew past Paul Jones, and I, you know, that re- early on, reasonably midway through the first half. And I think most of us hope we, well, we can sit back now and 
get a bit of a show put on for us. But Southampton came back and equalised, and it became a real struggle. And Marcus Babbel, who um, had had a decent start to his Liverpool career, having arrived from a free trans- on a free transfer from Bayern Munich the previous summer, without really pulling up too many trees, and really in this second half of the season, went on to prove his 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 real pedigree and and his absolute worth to this side. Scored a really crucial winning goal with a with a, a header from a set piece. I seem to remember at the Anfield Road end in the in the late on in the last five minutes. I think I, I seem to remember as well. I think he might have had an injury and he was kind of half limping, half struggling. I'm, I'm assuming Liverpool must have used all the substitutes, which is why he couldn't go off. But I remember a lot of the headlines afterwards were making play of you know <laughs> paying tribute to his heroism in staying on, grinding out a win. And getting Liverpool, you know, starting what was what would prove to be a really momentous year for Liverpool with a really important three points. Yeah, it was a big win, as you say, for the Reds, who at the time yeah, were were sitting fifth in the table, a point off the Champions League places at Ipswich Town, who we referenced last month, a side who were causing many surprises and eyebrows to be raised across the Premier League. But this was a month, really, Dan, in which the Cups did take centre stage. The rest of the league programme, a 3-0 win at Villa Park, a goalless draw with Middlesbrough and a one all with Manchester City at Main Road. But following the Southampton game, it was the FA Cup third round, Rotherham United coming to town. But as you said before, it was it was the fourth round in, in late January at Ellen Road that really captured the imagination. Yeah, I mean the the the, the, the the only brief mention I'd make to the Rotherham game was that um, you know on the face of it, it should be a fairly straightforward in in, in the history books it says three nil, and you look at that and pass over and think oh well, that's a a routine passage into into the fourth round for Liverpool. It wasn't quite as straightforward as that. Liverpool scored early, huffed and puffed a little bit, and then had a man sent off. Was it Didier Man? Igor Biscan. This yeah that Biscan who who. Only made his debut barely barely a month before, um, in 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 December. The, the Rotherham were just starting to show a few signs of getting into the game, and then Liverpool went down to ten men. And I think we all started to think Flippenek is a is a, is an upset on the cards here. But that it was it was Haman, I think, who who not long after the sending off, I think, scored the the crucial second goal to give Liverpool that little bit of breathing space. And in the end, it did end up being a comfortable three 0 win. As you say, the 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 fourth round tie at Leeds. Is one of the the real big standout memories I think for Liverpool supporters that season. I wasn't actually at the game. I, I, I was at a match that day, and it was one of the most memorable football matches I've ever attended. As it happens, it was Goodison Park in the FA Cup fourth round, and I saw Tranmere Rovers beat Everton by three goals to nil. And as somebody who's always had a little bit of a soft spot for Tranmere, I had family over there, I've been going there all my life. It was a it was a really special day. Not so much for my late Evertonian father who. Who wasn't as happy as me watching it alongside each other in the uh, in the main stand at Goodison? The Liverpool match actually was it was a lunchtime kickoff. Everton was three o'clock, so I, I was working in a call centre in Wavertree that day, finishing at two, uh, so I could go with the game. But I'd snuck a radio in and was listening intently. Thank it was quite a quiet morning. There weren't many calls coming through, and I do remember as it was. Um, it should be important to mention here. I think that at the time. Leeds and Liverpool was probably the secondary rivalry in the Premier League. Manchester United and Arsenal were the two preeminent sides. But Leeds and Liverpool were really neck and neck with each other. Two young emerging sides, both of them really determined to see if they could break into that top two. Liverpool, of course, had gone to Ellen Road in the league in early November 
and had lost 4-3 in a, a very dramatic match when Baduka scored four Liverpool led twice, 2-0 and 3-2. And obviously with the FA Cup being the FA Cup, Liverpool had a, had a, had a you know, you get a bigger allocation. And uh, so the six or 7,000 Liverpool fans were, were, were in Ellen Road that day. It was a really tight game from, from what I can remember. Chances at either end, neither team could make a breakthrough. And with five minutes ago, it seemed like it was kind of heading towards a replay at Anfield, which I think we probably all would have taken before the game, even if it went, it would have meant yet another match in an already congested fixture list with obviously the two League Cup semi-finals being played this month as well. And then Liverpool scored two fantastic goals in the last five minutes. Um, both of them by substitutes, I seem to remember. Um, Nick Barnby, I think might have been might have been Barnby's last goal for Liverpool. He had a, such a fantastic scoring run in the first half of the season, and it did kind of peter out for him. But he um, he, he scored a, a really sharp finish from, from an arrow angle, and and Emil Heskey then wrapped it up in stoppage time. There's a fantastic camera shot, um, which I've I've often heard a lot of people mention when they talk about a great away end. There was a great a great kind of corner shot. The South Stand, I think it is at Ellen Road, and Liverpool had the upper and lower tiers, and they even a bit round the corner, and there was a fantastic shot from that the corner of the main stand at that end where you could see right across it and I think it was from the one of the goals, I think possibly the first one, one of those great limbs everywhere moments when a goal, particularly in a cup tie like that, when a goal goes in that late, you know that that's probably, that's probably going to do the business. And that was, I think that was a really key moment in Liverpool's season. You know, the, the psychologically, I think that the, the defeat to Leeds in the league in November could have been quite damaging. So to go there and put that right, knock one of your biggest rivals out of the cup, by this stage, of course, Liverpool had reached the League Cup final and had now made it into the last 16 of the FA Cup. They were looking forward to a, a last 16 UEFA Cup tie against AS Roma of Italy the following month as well. And it was a, it was a brilliant way to end the month, um, knowing that, you know, the Reds were still, you know, they had a reasonable month in the league, as you say, the, the, um, didn't didn't lose a game in the league, did they? Um, no. the, 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 the two the two draws against City and um, Middlesbrough Middlesbrough weren't really anything to write home about. The, the, the Stephen Gerrard's goal at Villa Park is worth a mention. That that was a, a decent away win. Villa were a bad side at the time. Liverpool were really quite dominant. Danny Murphy scored twice. Liverpool were two up in about 20-25 minutes. <clears throat> and the second goal from Stephen Gerrard, I think, really underlined. In what was only really his second full season as a first team regular, just what an extraordinary talent he was developing into. It was a Murphy had put Liverpool in front, and the side of all good teams, they were able to go go for the kill and get the second goal quickly. And it was a really f- lovely flowing passing move that ended up with with Murphy playing a clever little layoff to a, a, a an on rushing Gerard who absolutely cracked it with his right foot from the edge of the box past Peter Schmeichel in front of the Liverpool fans in the Witten Lane end at, at, at Villa Park. And that, that was definitely one of the best goals of the season. Um, and it just underlined that this this was a Liverpool team that was picking up momentum and really starting to believe in themselves and getting the results to, to back that up. Yeah, burgeoning Gerard talent. And as you say, they're with what would soon become a trademark of his with that kind of effort. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll take a break from 
the on-pitch action. Obviously, 2021, everyone's screaming out for signings. And back in 2001, 20 years ago, Liverpool were able to bring in none other than Yari Lippmann, who, what, six years before, had been the fulcrum of the Ajax side that had won the Champions League, albeit he'd had injury and maybe form dipping somewhat ever since after that. But bringing him in on a free transfer from Barcelona was just, I suppose, another signal of intent as to this squad that Gerard Houllier was uh, amassing at at Anfield. Yeah, it it was a really exciting signing. I remember being really, really chuffed when they brought him in. Um, You know, I I wouldn't say I had an encyclopedic knowledge of European football, but but I I very much knew he was, knew his pedigree. I think, you know, you can look back at it now and think, we probably signed him three or four years too late. He was possibly past his best. He didn't really have the best of luck at Anfield either. Took him a few weeks to get in the side. I'm not sure if he if he played much in January. The first game I really remember him having an impact in was Sunderland away, which was a which was mid February, just before the the away tie in Roma. And then <clears throat> you know we're starting to see the signs of the finesse and the experience and the quality that he could give Liverpool in that final third where. There wasn't an awful lot of experience there. Yeah, Owen Heskey Fowler, um, Lippmann, you know, Lippmann's nous and, and, and ability was was a really tremendous addition to that. And in the the the, the late March international break, which ironically saw England playing a match at Anfield against Finland, a World Cup qualifier, David Beckham scored the winner, I think. Lippmann suffered a broken broken hand or a broken wrist in that match, and basically missed the rest of the season, missed the running. Did end up having a decent season the next season, scored some important goals, but really was struggled by injury, struggled with injuries and little niggling knocks. And I don't think Liverpool ever really got to see the best of him on a consistent basis. But at the same time, I think even just his presence in the in in the dressing room around the training ground, particularly like I say, with those young forward players that he was he he was there to kind of help bring along. I think they would have even if even if he didn't end up scoring a lot of goals or playing a lot of games. I'm sure his presence certainly helped their development and helped them cope with, you know, the pressure and the intensity of a season that month by month just seemed to snowball in excitement, but also in in, in pressure and intensity and, and expectation. Yeah, and looking at his record, in fact, it, I suppose it's not too shabby, really. Nine goals in... 43 games and throw six assists in there as well. He was pretty much contributing to a goal every three games, as you say, probably past his best at the time. But coincidentally, works wonderfully well for us. His debut came in the League Cup semi-final first leg down at Sellers Park against Crystal Palace, which, of course, didn't quite go Liverpool's way, but the reverse at Anfield certainly did. Yeah, it was... um... I think we, if if you think about the first leg, you have to you have to mention Clinton Morrison, um, who I think did he scored both Palace goals or certainly one of the Palace goals. No, he scored. He night. scored the winner. He scored the winner. Palace won by two goals to one. Um, Liverpool didn't play particularly badly. Really, probably should have won the first leg comfortably. Michael Owen, in particular, missed quite a few chances that night. And Clinton, who I you know I have to say I think has gone on to become quite a decent TV analyst these days. Yeah. And it may just have been a you know, slight youthful indiscretion, a little bit of naivety. Um, was quite chatty in the press after the first leg. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was on the line along the lines of, um, you know, if I'd have been playing for Liverpool, they'd have won the match. And basically having a little bit of a snipe at Michael Owen for the chances he missed. 
And even though this was in the days long before social media and so on, in some ways he kind of almost did Gerard Hooley and certainly Michael Owen's motivation for the second leg himself. It certainly was wide, widely reported what Morrison had said and, and gave a little bit of a narrative in the build-up to the second leg. And the, the second leg was a great night. Um, Liverpool came flying out the traps. I think Palace turned us round and, and, and Liverpool attacked the cop first half. And I always kind of think, <laughs> you understand why teams do that, of course, but it can sometimes become counterproductive because particularly, A, when there's a bit of a, a bit of an edge to the game anyway because of what, what's something that's gone on before. Also, it's a night game. It's a semi-final. Liverpool absolutely came roaring out the, out the traps. And I think we're, we're three up in about 20, 25 minutes. Igor Biscan. Minutes. Eight, 18 minutes, well, yeah. yeah. Um, Danny Murphy scored a cracking volley. I think that was the second goal. Can't remember who got the first. Can't remember who got the first. But Biscan, I know, got, got the third with, with a really precise little slid finish at the, at the cop end. And Palace got the first. Smeetcher got the first, that's right. Um, and Liverpool were three up at half time, ended up winning by five goals to nil quite comfortably. Uh, Rob, Robbie Fowler uh, got the fifth, which was kind of like the, the icing on the cake. Seemed to remember Clinton Morrison having a couple of air shots in front of the cop as well, which you can imagine caused a fair degree of hilarity. Um, and it was just one of those perfect nights here. Liverpool had not been in a no, the, well, the, yeah, Liverpool hadn't. We, Liverpool hadn't won a trophy in six years. They hadn't been in the cup final for five years since the FA Cup final. And really, f- from the early moments of that second leg, it was never in doubt. Palace were blown away that night, and it was the uh, it was the first real kind of staging post in the season. When that's it, we're in the cup final. We knew we would be playing, you know, uh, a, a lower league team, Birmingham City, in, in the final. Even though, as we'll go on to next month, that was by. By no means uh, a fait accompli, and Liverpool made extremely heavy weather of it, but got through it. But it just added to that sense of belief that, you know, we've had our ups and downs this season, but we're in a final. We're one match away from ending the six-year trophy drought and, and guaranteeing European qualification for the following season, even if, as you know, as was the theme in the first half of the season, we'll be, and we'll be right the way throughout, qualifying for the Champions League was still seen as very much the ultimate priority for the season. And that's why it, you know, that's why this has become such a celebrated and, and well-regarded season. Liverpool achieved their primary objective, but had three wonderful cups uh, to add alongside it and uh, you know, as a bonus almost. That's the thing, isn't it? People talk these days about his sort of fourth place, a trophy, Liverpool even sort of in the modern time, people talking about, well, the battle now is to finish in the top four, maybe forget about the title race for this season. But it's that argument that you always remember the trophy seasons. As you said, the primary objective yeah. was get Champions League football. But we're doing this podcast celebrating this season 20 years on because of the trophies that were won. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I've, you know, I'm in my early 40s. I've been following football for over 35 years. And when I've, when I'm in a, when I've got a bit of a, a mood on about the modern game, it does great that, you know, to, to, to some... I do think Liverpool have been as guilty of this as other clubs. But at some clubs where, you know, it, it always distresses me to see, particularly the FA Cup, just tossed aside like it's not worth anything. At the end of the day, when you're old and grey, you're not going to talk about the season you finished fourth or the season you finished third or whatever it needed. You're going to talk about the semi-final nights against Crystal Palace, against Crystal Palace, um, fourth round ties at Leeds, uh, trips to trips to Rome, the great days and great nights when you defy expectation. That's what cup football is all about. Now, in the you know, it, the, 
you can't bury your head in the sand either. The reality is Liverpool had to, for a club of Liverpool's stature globally, domestically and locally, but also for their sense of self, Liverpool had to be competing at the top table in European football and they hadn't been for a long, long time. So, you know, I, I can understand why it, beca- it became such an imperative. Um, but somehow you have to kind of find a way of, of finding that balance between the two because at the end of the day, football football's about winning. Football's about memories. You know, it's great Tottenham legend Danny Blanchfire said the game's about glory, not just about money. Um, and I think that in this season in particular, Liverpool got the best of both worlds out of that. Yeah, our, our episode's going out on the day of the, the FA Cup tie with Manchester United at Old Trafford. And as you say, it is a competition that maybe the, the modern-day Liverpool side haven't taken as seriously, obviously haven't won the, the tournament since 2006. But mm-hmm. I suppose it would be a wonderful and fitting tribute. We started the episode talking about Gerard Houllier. If Liverpool this season, 20 years on, could sort of commemorate his legacy with winning that trophy once again. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, it would be, it would, it would feel very fitting, but I also think as well, you know, you can't take football or success for granted. You can't put all your eggs in one basket. And I think maybe if Liverpool have learned anything from this difficult season, because it's not just a difficult spell, it's been a difficult season for everybody, obviously for obvious reasons with the pandemic and everything. But, you know, and, and it's very easy to be cynical about the FA Cup uh, these days, or, or all cup competitions, as a lot of as a lot of modern fans are. But even just in the last round, we saw a number a number of examples with the likes of Marine and Chorley. And it's it's quite easy for fans of big big clubs to sit back and sneer and and you know at the little minnows having the day in the sun. But um, you know, and uh, to be honest, a prime example would be in the Liverpool's third round tie against Aston Villa. You know, what two weeks ago, when obviously because of the the COVID situation uh, and the, the fixture congestion, Villa had to basically play a kids team. And I remember having a, a chat with a, a mutual friend of ours, who I won't name on air, um, who who has who has made his disdain for the FA Cup patently clear on a number of occasions. Uh, and he was rather dismissive of. I, I get some some of the press coverage can be a little patronising sometimes, and and I do get that. But uh, I remember someone making watching the Villa game. And someone making the point about these young Villa kids. All, all 11 of them were making their first team debuts that day. Some of them were 16, 17. And you could, someone made the point online about, imagine these lads getting texts off the mates going, what's it like to play against Salah? What's it like to play against Fabinho? And these, that and the other. You know, and I just remember saying to him, try, tell, try telling these lads and their mums and dads who dropped them off the ground. And then the, the, the young kid who scored against Liverpool, I've forgotten his name. He ran through and scored a terrific goal. Louis Barry. Louis Barry. And he gave a wonderful interview afterwards, you know, where the, just the sheer joy of being a, being a footballer, of loving the game came across. And it was so, so refreshing in these cynical and obviously quite dark times. That, to me, is the essence of sport, the essence of football, and very much the essence of the FA Cup. Now, obviously, Liverpool are operating at a different end of the spectrum. But this FA Cup tie against United on Sunday may it might just come at the right time for Liverpool. Um, just as a reminder about what who we are, what we're about, what football's about. It's about going. It's about having days out at Old Trafford. I mean, obviously, it's it is very sad to think that in normal circumstances, Liverpool would have nine, ten thousand fans going going down to Manchester on Sunday. You know, and it's 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 great when we have three thousand in that end. But I think two or three times I've been to a cup tie there when there's, there's a bigger allocation. 
And we'll all miss that on Sunday. But at the end of the day, the, these are the times that you, you talk about with your mates when you're sitting back with a beer. These are, the, these are the days that you remember. And these are the days that we're all craving for at the moment or when obviously it's been denied us. So it would be, it would be, you know, obviously in the current situation, Liverpool need a result on Sunday to kind of get the season back on track. But in a wider sense, it would be so fitting that, you know, what, barely a month after the 20th anniversary of Gerard Hule's symbolic first win at Old Trafford, which we talked about last month, Danny Murphy's free kick, it would be, an, and and in actual fact, Sunday is the 22nd, and it's the exact same day. Hule's first season, Liverpool went to United in the FA Cup fourth round and had one of the most painful, hideous, harrowing football defeats I've ever seen on a pitch when Owen scored in the first three minutes, Liverpool left for the entire match, and then United scored twice in stoppage time, which obviously proved to be a hideous forerunner of what would happen in Barcelona a few months later when they won the treble. Hule said that day, I promise you we will beat Manchester United one day, and he was as good as his word. You know, and less than two years later, he came back and did that. So it would be it would be really fitting if Liverpool could could get a result on Sunday, could go and could go all the way in the cup and end a, a long 15-year drought. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we'll have to to wait and see on that front. Let's round things up then and just sort of cap off the month for Liverpool then. Ended January 2001, sitting fourth in the Premier League, a point ahead of Ipswich, having obviously begun the month behind the Tractor Boys. But in the Cups, it was through to a, a Cardiff Cup final against Birmingham City and into the fifth round of the FA Cup. But on the Cup run in the League Cup, Dan, it, it now it's very much even more derided it always has kind of been a competition which squad players have been given a chance but one of those that people and we talk about Manchester United Manchester United fans will often sort of throw shade at Liverpool's achievements during this season and in that League Cup run only facing Chelsea as top flight opposition but it's one of those isn't it you beat what's in front of you and it was a key competition in giving Liverpool the confidence that they needed to then go on and do what they did in the spring. Well, it must. It, it absolutely. You know, it, it's it's horses for courses. It's where you are at that stage in your development. And <clears throat> ironically, you know, it, it just came to mind as you were saying it. Then, yeah, I, I seem to remember there was there was a there was a banner not long after, possibly the, the following year's season charity shield, which was against United in the August, where they made reference to a Mickey Mouse treble. And listen, there's no getting away from it. The ultimate treble is the league, the FA, the league, the FA Cup, and the European Cup, which United won in '99 and which they denied us in 1977. And, you know, that's the one that I think Liverpool would still love to win as well. But at the end of the day, if you know anything about football, you know that winning three trophies in one season does not happen often. It is a, it is a, a very, very special achievement and a unique achievement and should always be respected as such. Liverpool in 2001 needed a League Cup to give themselves belief, to show themselves and everybody else that they were on the way back. Now, you know, I think I mentioned you know in previous episodes that you know you look at in recent years, look at the League Cup winners. Apart from the odd exception like Swansea a couple of years ago, the vast majority of League Cup winners are the so-called Big Four or Five: United, Chelsea, City, Liverpool, whoever. Now, in two thousand and six, uh, United won the League Cup, beat Wigan, I think, in the final, and that was their that was that was their only see that was their only trophy. Uh, well, they, they, won, they won the league in 2003. I think they won the cup in 2004. But then the only trophy they won until until they won the league again in 2007 was this league cup in 2006. But it was a staging post for them. I think I'm probably right in saying 
That was probably Wayne Rooney's first trophy as a Manchester yeah, United was. player. Yeah. And, you know, it's very easy. Listen, Liverpool fans probably sneered at the time because we just won the European Cup and we're on our way to winning the FA Cup that season. But <clears throat> that United team that went on to win the league the following season ended up winning another three three leagues in a row, a European Cup, European Cup in 2008. But, you know, I, I'm sure if, if you asked Alex Ferguson about it, that 2006 League Cup triumph was an important part of the process. And that's what this, this League Cup was for Liverpool back then. Jurgen Klopp has had, has had his reasons for not really taking the domestic cups too seriously. And listen, how can you argue against it? Because look at what he's done over the last couple of years, winning the European Cup, winning the league, making Liverpool genuine contenders again. But I, I think we'll see on Sunday that a slight re, refocusing of the sights and a realisation that, yeah, listen, I'm, I'm not saying Liverpool are giving up on the league title race. If we know anything about this Liverpool team, they go to the end. They never give up and, they, and, 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 and they'll give themselves every chance until the, the final minute of the final game. But you got you can't put your all your eggs in one basket. And if the other, you know, it it, it feels really important after everything that's gone on <clears throat> that at the end of this season, Liverpool, you'd like to think by the summer, who knows, will be in a position to to have public gatherings again. Liverpool want to be able to celebrate last season's title win with something else alongside it. Now, obviously, it'd be lovely if it was the title, but if there's an FA Cup pot to put alongside last season's league and the World Club Cup and the UEFA Super Cup and things we haven't been able to settle properly, that would be lovely. Hey, listen, Liverpool will still win the treble, yeah? They're still in all three competitions, so don't write them off. Don't write them off. That a brilliant place to end this edition of Julio's treble winners here on the Blood Red channel. We'll be back, of course, in February when the UEFA Cup returned. AS Roma awaiting Liverpool as the FA Cup journey too continued along the way. Thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.